This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com. starting a very first day. If you were here last week, we talked about it, but if not, it's okay. We're starting a very first series. Uh, uh, It's a a launch of a series. We are about to journey through the book of Romans. And uh, it's a a fantastic book. Uh, We're going to take a few weeks and we're going to talk about it. And we're just pumped that you're here. I hope it'll bless your life. Uh, we're in this new series, uh, Romans, I, and you'll hear me talk about this for weeks, but really uh, the big overarching theme of, of Romans is just bringing clarity in the midst of chaos. Uh, bringing clarity in the midst of chaos and the time that's taking place, the time that it's written, there is a lot of chaos in the world, much like today. There's a lot of chaos in our world. And so bringing clarity in the midst of chaos. And I, I really believe that these next a uh, few weeks are going to be transformative for your life. This book is packed full of information, and we're going to look at some of it today and see how we could shape our lives over the next couple of weeks. Let me say this before we get started. Before we start any series, and maybe just in life in general, you need to understand this. This is for all of you. The Bible, you got to understand, the Bible is not just informative. Um, the Bible is transformative. Like, it will transform your life. So there's, there's something to be learned when we look at the Bible. And so I want you to lean in over the next few weeks and lean in today and just believe that God has something uh, that he wants to do. There's a, there's a desire that he has to transform your personal life. For me personally, and I, I would encourage you this, uh, whenever I start a new book or whenever you start a new book in the Bible, I, I just think there's four questions that you always have to ask four questions to start before you jump into a book of the Bible. And I'm gonna give them to you today. I think the first question you always wanna ask is who's the author? In other words, who's, who's writing this book? And so for us, uh, this book is, be written, is being written by a guy by the name of Paul. Maybe you've heard of him before. He is an apostle uh, that was um, not always a good Christian. <laughs> He's not always a good guy. Paul, Paul was originally named Saul, and, and he was a highly religious leader uh, who persecuted Christians, literally was responsible for execution of some Christians. He hated the church. He hated Jesus. He hated the idea of the early Christian, the early church movement. And one day he finds himself on this road, this road to Damascus, and Paul has this encounter uh, with Jesus. And this encounter changed his life. He gets called into ministry. He ends up planting churches all over the region. And then he ends up writing these letters to these early churches, which really makes up a a huge part of the New Testament. And so Rome was not a church that he planted, uh, but it it was a church, it was a letter that he was writing to a specific church. And so, so the other question that we have to ask ourselves when we look at a new book is who's the audience? Like, who's he writing to? And the audience here is simply the church in Rome. Now, you got to get this. Rome at that time was unique. It was specific. And it was an important city for the day. Here's why. Because it was the epicenter. Rome was the epicenter of everything in life and culture. In other words, they set the tone for what was happening in the rest of the world. 
So what happened in Rome happened all over the world. And how many know that's the opposite of Las Vegas's mantra, right? It's not about what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas. That's not what happened in Rome, okay? Rome was a city that whatever happened there spread throughout the rest of the world. And here what was so amazing about it is Paul knew that. Like Paul wrote this letter to the Romans knowing that what he was writing was gonna be spread to the rest of the world. It's really cool. Third question you have to ask yourself is what is the purpose? Like what's the meaning? What's the purpose uh, behind this writing? And, and I kind of share with you at the beginning of the talk here is that the whole purpose was to bring clarity in the midst of chaos, right? You have this, this new church, uh, you have these young believers, people who didn't know what to believe. They didn't know why they believed what they believed. And Paul wants to bring direction to it. And this book is just so chocked full. It's just full of doctrine. And, and here's why that is important. Because some, some refer to Romans as the gospel of Paul, right? So you have the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In all four of those gospels, you get a description of what happened in Jesus's life. Here's what's cool about Romans. Romans is, a gospel, is not a gospel of what happened in Jesus' life. Romans is a gospel of what the results of because of what Jesus did. It's the results in our lives of what Jesus did. So it tells us how to live. It tells us how to operate. It tells us who we are in Christ. The fourth question that you have to ask, the fourth and last question is, what is the central message? What's the central message of this book? And here, I think Romans is a tough book to read sometimes, but here, let me just break it down. The central message is two simple words, the gospel. It's the gospel. And you've got to get this this morning because the gospel simply means this. It'll be on the screen. The gospel is simply this, good news. So the central theme of Romans is really Paul writing to give them good news. And I don't know your history with the church this morning, but I want to remind us today that the gospel is still really, really good news for our lives today. It's really, really good news, right? In some ways, we've gotten distorted uh, in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, And my goal is to bring clarity in a chaotic world, to present you with the gospel, with what the gospel is over the next few weeks to hopefully ground us and secure us and let us hear how Paul describes it, how he talks about the gospel. The central phrase of this whole book uh, can be found in, in Romans chapter one, Theologians, many theologians and scholars uh, have all said that Romans 1, 16 through 17 can literally sum up the whole book of Romans. Those two verses can sum up this whole uh, uh, book. And so let me, let's read it this morning. Romans chapter one, verse 16 says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So he starts it off right there. This is gospel. This is the gospel. What does the gospel mean? Good news. Come on. Good news. He goes on and says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last 
Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So, so here's what we're going to do over this series. We are gonna bring clarity to whatever chaos is in your life. We're gonna bring clarity to whatever chaos that Christianity is facing in the world right now. I encourage you, don't, don't miss one of these weeks. Uh, every week, I'm going to give you a statement and a declaration a declaration statement that starts with, I am. I'm gonna give you a declaration statement all throughout this series that starts with, I am, so that, so that you and I can figure out who we are because of the gospel. So we can figure out who we are because of what Jesus did. And so today, the I am statement that I wanna start with in this series is simply this, I am unashamed of the gospel. I am unashamed of the gospel. And this is important because we live in a world that loves to shame you for being a Christian. They wanna shame you for, for being a Christian. Well, you can't talk about that, right? You can talk about anything you want, but don't talk about your faith. That's for you. This is for me. So let's just keep those two things separate. We live in the, the, a world that loves to talk about all kinds of important things, but we can't talk about our faith. And Paul says, no, if you know the gospel, you would be unashamed about it. You'd be unashamed about it. You would want to be bold about what this gospel really means. And my desire for us as a church, my desire for Christian Life Center is to instill in us a boldness, a boldness inside of us that says, listen, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we would walk around, not shameful, but we would walk around proud of what Jesus has done for us, unashamed of what Jesus has done for us. So let me give you quickly a definition of unashamed. What does it mean to be unashamed? Unashamed simply means this, acting openly without guilt or embarrassment. Acting openly without guilt or embarrassment. Now, there are a lot of things in our lives that we are unashamed about. There's a lot of things in your personal life that you truly are unashamed about. And the reality is maybe we should be ashamed of them. <laughs> I remember my first baseball travel team that I got on, I, I, young, I was young and, and uh, the reality is this, we were really bad, like really bad. I don't know how they put this team together. And we were on this team and, and we would go to these competing tournaments or maybe be like eight teams that are involved in this tournament. But here at the end of the tournament, how many know all eight got a ribbon? All eight teams, all eight of the teams would got a ribbon. So I would go home and obviously I would display all my ribbons that I would win. My room would look at the, and they looked like this, this ribbon here, right? It just looked exactly like this. You'd be like seventh place, you know? And, and, and I'm like, I still have these ribbons. I'm on a tote somewhere in my house. Like I still collect these, I'm proud of them. And my friends would come over and go, hey man, that's not something to be proud about. Like, why are you putting that up? Like you're walking around bold about something that you shouldn't be bold about. And then some of you are not ashamed. Some of you are not ashamed walking around looking like this. <laughs> right? Cowboy fans. Now, not to bring it up, but that's not something to be proud of, right? Like, 
there, you should be shamed about that, <laughs> right? There should be some shame in that. I just wanna challenge you of this idea of being unashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let, let me give you an example this morning. If, if, if this container right here that I'm holding up right here, if this little container had the solution, this, what was inside of this had the solution, had the answer to all issues of cancer in the world today, right? It was the cure was inside of this and I handed it to you. Let's say you approach someone who has cancer. There's nothing inside of you that would say, oh, you know, um, I don't wanna push this on you. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, this may seem pushy. I don't really, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say anything. I know they have cancer and I have the answer, but it might seem pushy if I tell them, hey, if you take this, you will have no more cancer. Like, or, like there's nothing inside you that would say, well, it, it's my personal thing. Like I keep it personally. It's just, I'm just gonna keep it to myself and see what happens. Like maybe if they, it, it, maybe if they ask me, I'll, I'll talk to them about it. Like maybe if they approach me and say, hey, do you have the cure for cancer? Maybe then I'll talk about it. Like you wouldn't take this cure and put it in your pocket and say, you know what? I'll take it out on Sundays. Like for an hour and a half on Sundays, I'll bring out the answer and the solution. I think you have to understand if you really had the cure for cancer, I think a lot of us in this room, probably all of us would walk around boldly saying, like, I don't care what kind of cancer you have, I got the answer. I don't care uh, how long you've had it, I've got the answer. I know the solution to what it is that you're going through. Church, let me challenge you with this today. We have a lot of Christians walking around so shamefully about their faith. Because the world has put us down, the world has ostracized us, they've dumbed us down, they maybe, maybe made you feel shallow, uh, they've asked you to shut your mouths. And I'm just believing in, in this time and as we read this together, I'm just believing that there's a group of people who are getting their boldness back to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of what Jesus did for me. I wrote down this way, when you truly know what the gospel is and what it does, you don't conceal it, you celebrate it. You celebrate it. And some Christians are ashamed of their faith because they don't realize what they actually have. They don't realize the solution that they actually Carry. And so I want, us to, I want us to be a collection of people who are unashamed of the gospel. And, and here are the reasons. I wanna give you some reasons this morning why we can be unashamed of the gospel right here out of Romans chapter one. Let me give you the first one this morning. I am unashamed because the gospel is from God. I'm unashamed because the gospel is from God. I love this. It's not a group of smart people who got together and said, this is what the gospel is gonna be. It wasn't a think tank of Christians who got together and said, this is what we think the gospel should be. Look at Romans verse one. It starts right at the top. It says, Paul says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. I want you to get this church. Notice he did, how he describes himself, not as a preacher, not as a pastor, not as a leader. He describes himself as a servant. How, can I tell you, there, there, that is the role of every Christian. You are a servant. And notice, 
I love this. He called it the gospel of God. The gospel of God. He, he put it on God. He didn't say, well, I wrote that. He, this is God's gospel. When my, when my kids were, were younger and I, I, my previous job, I had to travel a lot. I was out of town. And, and, and I remember from time to time, my wife would call me and she would say, Heath, I have one of your children here right now. Uh, and they are not listening to what I told them. And I told them I was going to call their dad. And I could hear the crying and screaming and wailing in the background. And I would say, put them on the phone. And I could hear the crying and then they would say, I told mom not to call you. And I said, do you want me to come home right now? No, knowing that I couldn't go home right now, but I, they didn't know that. No. Here, here's the thing. My wife was invoking a name that brings a little bit of weight to the situation. If you're not going to listen to me, listen to him. How many know that's exactly what Paul's doing? Paul is saying, this is not my idea. This is not my thing that I've come up with. This is something that God himself has orchestrated and planned. And he, God, wants to present it to you. In other words, Paul's saying, God has a message for your life. This is a great little fact for you. I, I kind of did the thought on this, but Paul, it'll be on the screen, but ta- Paul talks about God 144 times in the book of Romans. He talks about God 144 times in the book of Romans. That's a lot of time. That's a, that's a lot of time Paul's going, hey, hey, it's not about me. It's about God. This isn't about me. This is about God. I, I, I know what I'm saying to you, Paul's saying, I know what I'm saying to you is tough, but God is in this. I know it's not always gonna be easy to hear, not always easy to follow, but God is in this. And, and we listen to what he's saying because God is behind this, because God is the one speaking. By the way, it's not just God, it's not just God spoke it, but look at Rome, Romans 1 verse two. It says this, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So God not only said it, guess what he did? He planned it in advance, right? In other words, this was God's plan from the very beginning. I don't know about you, but I'm just glad that that God's not in heaven and he's looking down our earth and something happens and he's just like, oh no, oh, what just happened? I mean, aren't you glad? Like, I mean, there's never a moment where God just hits his head and says, oh, I never saw that one coming. Could you imagine God, oh no, that person got voted in. That, that changes the plans. I mean, that's not, God saw it all coming. He, he has the whole thing mapped out from the beginning. And you and I can trust in the sovereignty of God that, that no matter what crazy thing goes on in the world today, God is still good. No matter what chaos you face, God is still in control. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.20, it says, God chose him, meaning Jesus. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. Long before the world began. And this is huge because so many people are, are sitting there in our world today and they're going, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the answer is. Can I tell you, God already gave us the solution. He gave us the answer, right? And, and just by the way, from, from the beginning, when God even created the garden, you know, he didn't just create the garden and say, all right, it's all good. 
And then these, they ate the fruit and God's like, oh, my bad. I messed up there. That was a bad decision on my part. I should have thought that through more. Like when they started doing sacrifices and, and the sacrifices weren't doing their jobs, they, they weren't living. God's not up in heaven saying, all right, well, that didn't work. And he looks over to Jesus and says, listen, man, I told you, if these sacrifices don't work good, it's gonna be your life. Sorry, Jesus, tag, you're it, go die. No, you, you gotta understand, Jesus was the solution from the very beginning. Like there was no plan B. There, Jesus was always plan A to the salvation of humanity. He even knew, guys, all the mistakes and all your failures, and he still loved you. In the midst of all your mistakes and all your failures, he still loved you, he still called you, and he still destined you. Hear me, that's the gospel. That is good news for us today. This whole thing was planned by God so I can be unashamed about it. Let me give you number two. I am unashamed because the gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. The centerpiece of this entire thing, shocker for you, the centerpiece of this entire thing is not us. It's not us. And that's hard for American Christians because we like us. But can I tell you, this whole message is not about our country, our politics, our justice, or our happiness. This whole thing is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And we gotta, we gotta keep it about Jesus at Christian Life Center. It's about Jesus. Here's how Paul said it, right? He goes on in verse three, he says, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and, who through, and through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he gives us immediately right here in Romans, this background on who Jesus is. And so who is Jesus? Well, I wrote down this way. Jesus has a royal lineage, both in his human ancestry and his divine ancestry. Like when I wrote that down, I was saying, what would it be like for Jesus to do a swab? You know, how you do your swab and you spit and you find out your ancestry. I don't know what Jesus would look like. That'd be interesting. But anyway, in both, we know that Jesus is from the line of King David, but he's also, we also understand he is from God. I love it. He is the right person naturally, and he's the right person supernaturally. He's the one that you and I can put our hope into. And here's the reality. Jesus came and he lives for 33 years. He does supernatural, supernatural miracles. He raises the dead. He heals the sick. He teaches great things uh, that we see in the gospel. And then he goes to the cross. He goes to the cross and die. And now, now what's so important about him going to the cross? You know why it's important? Because he foretold that he would die. He foretold that he would stay in the grave for three days. He foretold that he would raise again on a Sunday. Now, Jesus is worth following this morning, not because he foretold it, but because he did what he said he would do. Did you hear that? It's not that he just said, this is what's gonna happen. He actually did what he said he would do. That's a big deal. And, and this morning, what is the proof of Jesus' bold claim about being God? What's the proof in it? How do we know, hey, are you really God? Paul gave it to us. He gave us the proof. You know what the proof is? It's simply this, the resurrection. That's the proof. 
because he raised from, not only did Jesus say he would die and be raised from the dead, he did it. He did it. And let me say this, if you're in here and you predict your death, burial, and resurrection, I'm gonna listen to you. I'm going to follow what you say. But not only did he, did he, did he raise from the dead, but approximately 500 people saw him. And many of those people went to their graves, killed for their faith, for the belief in one thing, that Jesus rose from the dead grave. He rose from the grave. So look at Romans verse five. He says, through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake, for his name's sake, for Jesus's name. It's always going to be about him. Hear me, at Christian Life Center, we are Jesus people. We are going to lift him up. We celebrate him. We build our lives upon him. He is the one who changes our lives. And some of you are here sitting today and can testify to that, that he has changed your life. And I, I, if you could write anything down, write this, get this. Jesus is the hero of the story, not us. He's the hero of the story. We aren't the superheroes. In fact, we're actually the people in distress that has no hope. But the good news is that not all is lost because the hero named Jesus saves humanity. He saves humanity. And we should be unashamed about that. Why? Because I don't have to defend me. I don't have to defend you. I don't have to defend our church because you need to know this for 2024. Jesus is still wildly popular in our world today. He is the one that can heal and transform anything that this world is going through. So hear me, as your pastor and as you as followers of Christ should just put our shoulders back with confidence because there is only one name that this whole thing is about and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus and we can be unashamed about that. Let me get a third one. I am unashamed because the gospel produces obedience. I'm not ashamed because it produces obedience. Again, going back to verse five, look what he says. Through him, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from him, that comes from his names. There is obedience that follows when you and I decide to follow Jesus. I remember being a young teenager when I made that decision to like, I'm truly gonna follow God. Like, like I was in a youth group. I, I remember where I was. And it was like that moment where I gave my life to the Lord. I said, I'm gonna live for him. I'm gonna follow him. And I remember that. And I remember going back to my school, going back to my friend groups and, and, and not wanting to do the same talk, not laughing at the same jokes, not wanting to be a part of the same behavior. And I remember, listen, there wasn't someone, some person walked up to me in church and said, oh, you, great, you've given your heart to Jesus. Okay, here's the rules that you now need to follow. Like no one did that to me. Maybe someone did that to you, I hope not, but that's not something we're gonna do here. But what, what was the difference? The difference was simply this, the spirit of God living inside of me. And for some reason, the jokes weren't funny anymore. The behavior wasn't acceptable anymore. For some reason, it just didn't seem right. I didn't wanna tear down anymore. I wanted to build up. The reality is what happened? The reality is I got saved. And when you decide to follow Christ, things change in your life. You don't do things the way that you used to do things. In fact, I wrote down this way. Genuine faith is marked by a desire to please God. 
Like when you genuinely want to follow God, you just want to please God with your life. Faith, hear me, faith is not about rules and regulations. We won't make that here. It's not about what you can do and what you can't do. When you truly give your life to the Lord, you want your life to honor him. You want to honor him. It's not about rules and regulations. Again, I wrote down this way, right living doesn't save us. Right living is evidence that Christ has saved us. That's what it's all about. We change because he saved us. Like I have people all the time come to me like, well, I don't know the exact date when I got saved. I don't know this. Like, when will I know? Like, am I supposed to know the date of when Jesus changed my life? And I just look back and I say, listen, when did things change for you? That's your day. When did things change for you? Because the result of a life surrendered to God is that things change. Things change in your life. And hear me, when things start to change, I'm gonna get passionate for a moment. When things start to change your life, can I just encourage you? Let's stop apologizing to the world about it. When your life changes, when Christ changed your life, let's stop apologizing to the world. Well, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that anymore, I know. You know, or like, I just feel bad, I know it's for you, and I can't, I'm changed, I'm supposed to be changed. Listen, we're always apologizing for the obedience you're showing to God. Why apologize for that? I mean, the Bible says it this way in Matthew 5, right? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And it doesn't stop there. When they see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Like if we actually live by the standards God gives us, we actually glorify God and others see that. The world, hear me, the world is not going to shun your obedience to God. How many of you know it's actually more attractive to the world when they see your obedience to God? Why? Because it is so rare for people to actually be living in obedience to God. So that when someone sees it, they're like, wow, I want that. You mean you actually live for this? You're actually obedient? You mean you're not actually living in the middle of the road where you get run over? Like you're actually passionate about something? I I want that. You actually see your friends and your family find God because of your obedience instead of you trying to hide it. Again, I wrote down this way. It's all the people who do not look like the world that will be the people who change the world. I just believe that with all my heart. So I'm not ashamed that there are things I do not do that others do. I'm not ashamed about that. It's okay because I know that God has changed me. In fact, I just call it, the, it's the fruit of repentance. When I repent and I give my heart to the Lord, it changes me and fruit comes from that. So wherever you are today, just know God can change you. Let me give you the fourth one. I, am un, I, I, I believe this, I am unashamed because the gospel is for everyone. Because the gospel is for everyone. Uh, again, I mentioned I used to travel a lot. I used to fly a lot, and I couldn't I couldn't wait uh, when I had to fly and travel. I I, I got my um, Delta card because I couldn't wait to get all the points so I could get high tier. You know what I'm talking about? So like when I could board first and sit in the cool seats, right? And so I remember when I finally reached that status, and they were like tier one. I'm like, that's me. Tier one, baby. I'm walking up with all the business guys. I'm like, look at me. I got my, you know, tier one. I, could, I wanted everyone to know, like, I'm that guy now. Like, I can do that. I love calling my mom and say, I got points. You can use mommy, you know. 
because I was tier one. And I remember one of the times I'm getting on a flight and I'm tier one and they're literally, I kid you not, a lady behind me and, she, and her posture was totally different. She's like, oh, excuse me, sorry, can I get through? I'm, I'm tier one, I, I don't normally do this. And she's just very like apologetic. And I even heard her say like, my son gave me these points so I get to fly tier one. And I'm like, lady, chill out, you know, like act like you know something. And but I sat down and I, this thought hit my head and I thought this, she was ashamed because the perk she had was not for everyone. She was ashamed because the perk she had was not for everyone. Listen, you never need to apologize for your faith. You never need to apologize for what God has done in your life. Why? Because the gospel is for everyone is for everyone. It's not a select group of church people. It doesn't have exclusivity. It is for everyone. Again, going back to Romans verse five, again, when it says through him, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles. I love the way the ESV version says, it'll be on the screen for you real quick. This says, through him, uh, through him, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, every one, all the nations can be a part of this. It's for everyone. The gospel isn't something for select few. It's not exclusive um, a, a, that we should be shameful to walk around, right? Or we should be arrogant to walk around and go, we have it, but you don't have it. Come on, that's not our posture. In fact, it should be the total opposite. We should be walking around and say, we have it, you can have it. We have it, you can have it. The gospel is for everyone. In fact, I wrote down this way. It says, God's will is that people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue would hear the gospel and experience this power to change their lives. You know what that means? It means this, everyone. If you're white, come to Jesus. If you're black, come to Jesus. If you're brown, come to Jesus. If you're short, come to Jesus. If you're tall, come to Jesus. If you're an American, come to Jesus. If you live in another country, guess what? You can come to Jesus. If you're a Republican, come to Jesus. If you're a Democrat, come to Jesus. If you're rich, come to Jesus. If you're poor, come to Jesus. Romans says it to us, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's for everybody. The gospel's for everyone, everybody. Whoever wants to find him can come to Jesus, right? It's all about him and it's for you. Our messy, sinful lives is exactly what qualifies us for him. I wrote it down this way, the gospel is good news because it's the only message, the only message that can transform any person in any location with any situation. I don't know what situation this morning you find yourself in, but can I tell you the gospel will change your life. The gospel can change your life. It's for everyone. Look what it says. I go down to Romans verse 14 and it says this, I am obligated both to Greek and non-Greeks, both to wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I love that Paul calls us foolish people. I love it because I'm sure we all fit that description at times. We're a little foolish. 
Paul calls us out. And even in the midst of our foolish mistake, guess what? The gospel's still for you. Even in the midst of your foolishness, it's still for you. Let me give you the last one. I am unashamed because the gospel is powerful. I'm unashamed because the gospel is powerful. It's not some self-help, good vibe talk. The gospel is the, it, the, the gospel that is presented in the scriptures is powerful. Again, Romans verse one, I mean, chapter one, verse 16 says this again, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Listen to me, the same power that created the universe, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is this power we're talking about. So I'm not sure what might be messed up in your life, what decisions you're facing, where you are in your spiritual journey, but I know the answer is the power of God. That's the answer. It can come through for you no matter where you are. In fact, there's a definition for salvation that I love, the true salvation we found in the scripture. It's on the screen, but the, the Greek salvation literally just means holistic transformation. Holistic transformation. And every, in other words, everything in your life, when God's power comes into your life, it changes everything. So, so let me say this to you. Uh, when, when we come to Jesus and we ask for forgiveness, that's salvation. When you come to Jesus and you ask for healing, that's salvation. When you, when you come to Jesus needing a breakthrough in your life, that's salvation. Like when you need provision and you need help and you call out to Jesus, that is salvation. And I don't know what you need today, but I know the answer. And it is the power of God. I wrote down this way, true life will never be achieved because of self but because of Christ's sacrifice. So in other words, you can't work yourself out of it. You can't reason yourself out of it. You can't get yourself out of it. You can't even hope yourself out of it. But because of Christ's sacrifice, you can achieve all he has for you. And that's what this whole thing is about. Like Paul opens up this whole book. and says, listen, 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 listen. This thing is powerful. Before he goes on to any other chapters, he says, listen, you gotta get this in your heart. This thing is powerful. And I'm here to say to you today, it's, it's not just powerful back then. I believe it's powerful in 2024. And we're seeing it. We're seeing people healed. We're seeing people finding Christ. We're seeing that all around us, lives being transformed. The gospel is still changing lives. I mean, the gospel is still invading lives right here in Missoula today marking people, calling people, changing people, restoring marriages, transforming lives. Please, this morning in our church, don't tell me the gospel doesn't have power. It has power. And so Paul says to us, I am not gonna be ashamed about it. Just not gonna be ashamed about it. So church, this morning, can I encourage you, don't be ashamed about the fact that our gospel comes from God. 
Don't be ashamed of the fact that, that it is about Jesus. Don't be ashamed that, that, that it produces obedience in your life. Don't be ashamed that the gospel is for everyone. And surely, surely, don't be ashamed by the fact that the gospel has power. And hear me, I just believe that's a gospel we don't need to be ashamed of. We just don't want to be ashamed of. So as I close, I give you two questions. Number one is this. Have you experienced the gospel power in your life? And I, I would say to you, some that absolutely that could be, maybe you're in the room today, you just never accepted Christ in your heart. You're not, you're not on that level. Jesus hasn't been, you haven't surrendered everything to him. But I think for some of us who would say, hey, you know, I, I've experienced the power, but I would go a little deeper and say, have you truly surrendered your life to Christ? In other words, is every day do you get out of bed and you say, God, I surrender my life to you. Like every day I get up and say, God, this is not about me. I wanna make my life about you. I want every word I spoke, every action I do, how I treat my family and my coworkers, how I spend my money, how, how I interact with the world. I want it to be about God. Have you experienced that type of power in your life? And the second last question is this, are you ashamed of the gospel? Great revealing question this morning. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Like if you're carrying around the cure for what humanity is dealing with, humanity is dealing with sin and brokenness and hurts, and we carry around the cure, are we keeping it to ourselves? Are we ashamed of the cure that we hold? Are we at that place where like, I want everyone to know there is a solution, there is an answer, and it's found in the power of God. It's found in Jesus. And so I, I would encourage you this morning, this, I would love to make our church, I believe this is the culture we should set, but this is not a room of shame. It's not a room of shame. If you, whatever you're dealing with, walking through, this is, not a room of, this is not a room of shame. This is a place where we meet God. This is a place where we come together and we experience power of the Lord. There's no shame in here. And so I want to encourage you just a moment, right where you're sitting, can we, we need to make this a place of an altar and ask the question, God, have I been ashamed of your gospel? I mean, I'm sure many of us in the room would say, absolutely, I'm not ashamed of it, but does your life display that? Do you display this, I'm not ashamed? And I think maybe we just need to ask God to create a place, an altar where it's like, God, Am I ashamed of your gospel? And if I am, Lord, help me. Help me to experience you in a way that I, I, I just know where I have gratitude and I have expectations of what you've done in my life. And it's important that the world see it. And maybe you're here today to say, listen, I'm at a place where uh, I don't even know God. Or maybe just so far away that you feel lost. This is a great opportunity this morning to find him. And so here's what we're gonna do. It's a place of not shame. And I, I'm gonna ask the worship team just to play in a moment. We're gonna sing. And if you get to that place where you where you just like, look, God, I am unashamed. I will be unashamed. Man, I want you to take a personal altar time, but maybe you get to that place where you're willing to say, listen, God, I am gonna make a declaration that I am not going to be ashamed of your gospel. And when you get to that place, I would encourage you to stand. 
as a declaration, as a thing to, to, not for me, not for anyone in this room, but simply for God. Say, God, I'm declaring today that I will be unashamed of the gospel. Lord, I worship you in this place. We worship you and we exalt you. And I pray right now, just in the few moments we have left, would you just speak to our hearts? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. that's unashamed, God can use us and do incredible things through us. It's not just always about the church, but it's about you personally and how God can bring that purpose and destiny into your life. You bow your heads with this morning. I want to close the prayer. And um, as we do that, maybe you're here today and, and, and going back to that, that very first question is that, 
Are you, have you experienced the gospel power in your life? And maybe you're here today and you say, hey, listen, I haven't experienced that. I need to experience that. I've walked away from that. If you're here today, just like we had everyone stand in the room today, this is a, this is a time not to be shameful. This is the time to make that declaration that I, I, need my, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to experience that in my life. And so, yeah, again, we, we don't make it a practice here to embarrass you or right where you're sitting. But it is a moment today to not be shamed. It's a day to be bold. And if you're here today, you have made that decision, you need to make that decision, this is your opportunity. And right where you're sitting, ask you, if that's you, you need to experience God, I want you to raise your hand. Anybody here right now, I just need to experience God. Anyone else? Come on. Anyone else? Thank you. Come on, one more time. Anyone else? This is your opportunity. I won't let it pass you. I just want to experience Him. Experience His goodness. Lord, right now, everyone who raised their hand, Lord, we know who they are. It's not a time to be shameful. It's time to make a bold declaration that, God, I I need your presence. I need you, Jesus, in my life. So right there where we're sitting as a church, together we agree, but we say, God, would you come into my heart? Lord, would you forgive me? Lord, I want your salvation. Lord, I don't want to wander. I don't want to be lost. I just want you in my life. Change me. Change everything about me and Help me to be a follower of Jesus. Lord, would you come into my life so that I can live for you? We love you, God. I thank you for that today. So, Lord, I pray blessings upon your people today. Lord, may your face shine upon them. Lord, thank you for this opportunity, this place, this platform we have uh, to just talk about you. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for your word, God, that is rich and leads us and guides us. But more than anything else, the word of God that assures us that we are not alone, that we have a father who cares for us, who walks with us. And so we're so thankful for that today. And thank you for Jesus. So Lord, I pray there are people here today that are walking through situations who need healing. Those who are walking through decisions that have made family issues, work issues. Lord, just, we all come in with something I just pray that today that, Lord, there would just be a meeting with God and that the power of God, through the direction of your spirit, Lord, would give us peace, give us answers, and ultimately work on our behalf. So I pray that over your church today. Lord, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for this opportunity to be together. You are good, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So good for you to be here today. Thank you for joining us. We have Grow You Wednesday night. Hope to see you there. Uh, Hope to see you next week. Uh, Go out there and don't be unashamed of the gospel. This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at missoulachurch.com.